yeah, I've decided to do this thing. Uh, I'm extremely nervous. Um, hope I hope people join. Ooh, this is a. Oh, hey, someone joined. Yes, I got. I have friends. I got friends. Let me just wave. I don't go live, so I'm new to this. I'm new to all of this. Hey, and there he is. There he goes. Why you sound My so man. surprised that it works? Wait, what? Surprised that what works? I'm saying you got on there. It's like, man, you got people are coming on. Like people, yeah, bro. People saw. Listen, yes, man, people I'm not a. I'm, I, listen, man, I am not. Uh, um, you know, I I do the things that I like to do, and uh, hopefully people participate. But I I never expect that. Um, you know, I, there's an audience. I just you know do the things that you know I like to do. People like yourself, I want to talk to and learn about their stories. So it's like shit. If I can share it with people. Then that's the goal. Do you have a beverage? What? Where? Where are you? I know you're in LA right now. What's 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 going on over there? I'm at the house. I just woke up from a nap. I have a nice <laughs> bottle of water right here. Oh, well, I got this. Uh, uh, I got this Guinness. So, um, yeah. So my quarantine drink has been mezcal. That's what. Oh, I'm mezcal. Yeah. Who's mezcal? What mezcal are you drinking? That is my shit. That's like the. Oh, I got it right here. The uh, $40 bottle at BevMo? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm with you. You make it, you make I'm, it, I'm drink, you drink it straight. Just, yeah, come on, man. Ice cube, maybe. Okay. That's it. That's it. That's all you need. Well, thank you for joining me, man. I really, really appreciate it. Um, you know, this is a conversation. I mean, we've, we've talked a little bit about your story before, but, um, you know, part of this podcast and, and what I aim to do is kind of share stories of people that I feel are um, doing incredible things or in a role in a field that may not have very many people like yourself there. Um, so I guess, first off, I just want to start with, uh, you know, where you're from. Can you tell folks, you know, how you ended up in Michigan, you know, and kind of just go from there? I was originally born in Mandeville, Louisiana, or I lived in the suburb of New Orleans. This is where I went and grew up. I actually just recently sold my childhood home. Uh, oh, I went wow. to high school there until Hurricane Katrina, and then that blew me up to Detroit, where okay. I then went to high school for two years, like sophomore, junior, senior year, with the University of Michigan, graduated back in Detroit for a little bit, and now I'm out in L.A., you know, back in Detroit for maybe like three years working, three or four years after graduation. So what was that? What was that adjustment like? Because New Orleans and uh, Detroit aren't necessarily uh, very similar. I mean, they're similar but different in some ways. But what was that adjustment like? At at this point now, I've traveled the world a little bit more, and there, it's hard to believe that Detroit and New Orleans are in the same country. Like just in terms (laughs) of like just just in terms of uh, like culture and personality and, and just the way that people act. And it's not to say that either one are right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Right, it's just the different environments that dictate different actions by different people. It's just okay. entirely different environments. It's hard to believe that one place could look like this, another place could look like that. Not to say that either one of them are terrible or great, or you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, just, they're so radically different from one another. 
Yeah, so I I um I have a, a ton of family down there. I'm from my uh, dad's mom's side, so I'm like the the the, the contrast is is stark. Um, so I, I I absolutely understand that. So when you went to when you went off to Michigan, you majored in sociology. How did you how did you choose that? How did you settle on that? What made you choose U of M? And then how did you end up in in radio? I didn't have a choice in any of those three things. <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> okay. I got into, I didn't want to go to Michigan because I was, I had gone to university. I mean, I had gone to West Bluefield High School, but like, you got to remember, I'm 17, 18 years old at the time. So Katrina had just blown me up there. I had no interest in Michigan whatsoever. If you ever, right, right. To the point of like, and again, mind you, when I moved there, I was like 14 years old. But if you asked me where Detroit was, I would just told you in Chicago or something like that. <laughs> right. you know, it was a different world. Like, I'm in New Orleans. My biggest concern is LSU, Alabama on Saturday, not like what's going on in Michigan. So um, I get there, I end up graduating. I get accepted into Tulane uh, in New Orleans with my, but my best, one of my best friends. I stood in his wedding. He was going to be my roommate. I was ready to put my money down on my deposit, and then I got my Michigan acceptance letter. I didn't even want to apply to Michigan, but mm-hmm. my guidance counselor made me, right? Because, like, my, I, I have to preface all this. My mom died when I was 17. So, like, I was making a lot of <laughs> decisions that were, like, and I should have had more adult input on. Actually, yeah. speaking of, he just joined. Joe was going to be my college roommate. But when my dad saw my... What's up, Joe? I threw out my acceptance letter. I didn't even open it. Um, I just knew it was an acceptance letter because it was the big one, right? So I threw it out. My dad came home from out of town, saw the letter in the trash, came upstairs, called me all types of names. I'm not about to put them out there on live. He's like, you are crazy. (laughs) We're going to Michigan. We got a big fight about it. I ended up going there anyway, like in protest. And so then, uh, yeah, but I'll say I was in protest until the first football game. And then when I went to the first football game, and mind you, my first year at Michigan, they were three and nine. So it was literally the worst year in Michigan football history since the start of Michigan football history, which is the start of football history, right? So so it wasn't much to go off of, but walking down, and you've, you've been in football games before, I know, walking down that environment to the football game, that Saturday morning was the closest thing I had ever experienced to Mardi Gras on a consistent basis. And I was right. like, okay, if they can get down like this for football, I could probably stick around here for a little bit. Okay. So that's one thing that, like, I guess, how do I, uh, I guess we can come back to that. So you're in school, you're in school, and you're enjoying it. You, 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 you figure out, okay, this isn't, this isn't LSU, but it's not bad either. This is, this is a good time. So how did you, what were you thinking then when you were in undergrad? What were you thinking like, you know, which direction did you want to go? Did you know? Do you have any idea? How did, how did all, how did media come Bro, about? Bro, I never, this sounds so reckless, but like, I never really contemplated my future. <laughs> like, like, when I was in college, my priorities were so backwards and like, now that I say I was successful, in part, the, one of the main reasons I was successful was because I joined the fraternity that I did. And, like, I would look around, and there was nobody else to fuck around with, to excuse my language. Like, you look no. around, and be like, all my friends would be like, man, 
you know, it's Saturday and I'm trying to do something, but like all of my friends would be like, nah, bro, I'm studying, nah, bro, I'm studying, nah, bro, I'm studying. So okay. I'd be like, dang, man, that's like the third, fourth time in a row. Somebody said, oh, I should probably get the books, you know? So that was mm-hmm. kind of my attitude towards school in general. So I never really contemplated what I was going to do once I left out of school besides, quote, make a lot of money until I saw my other friends getting these internships in the junior summer, summer going into junior year, or junior, junior summer, senior summer, you know, these internships. And I was like, dang, man, they're making a lot of money in the summertime. And then one of my buddies got got his first offer. It was from like a major tech company. And this was like a dude that I kicked it with tough. Like one of my main guys, he like wasn't in the frat, but he was like the guy that we like, we hung out. Okay. Bro. This dude told me the amount of money he was making off the, I'm like, oh no, oh no, I'm going to be broke for the rest of my life. And it was then I started to, <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I don't have any of these skills that you guys have been sitting here developing over the last three and a half years. <laughs> like, right. I'm going to be poor. <laughs> like what's going to happen to me? <laughs> but uh, okay. it all worked out, you know. So, so <laughs> but you realize it, was, it wasn't really, it wasn't really until junior year I started to contemplate what I should do after I graduated from college. Okay, so you stopped fucking around, and and we all did. I did it for sure. Um, I did a, a lot of that. Uh, what? How did you get interested in radio? Like, what was it that that pushed you that way? So mid like junior year meltdown, right? Like as I'm watching all my friends getting like jobs at Microsoft and Apple and Amazon and like these companies that are like changing the world in 2012, right? (laughs) Like, you know, this is like huge, like Instagram, Snapchat, all of this stuff. There's people everywhere and things that I just use and see all the time. Um, I'm on the phone with my dad. I have a breakdown. I'm like, bro, like what? I wasted all this time. I wasted all this money. Sally Mae's going to be calling like, y'all, I fucked up, dad. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so he told me, he just he just told me, he was like, man, listen, just try to see what you would do. Like, try to see if you can try to monetize the stuff that you do for fun now. And so, you know, who doesn't sit up and debate sports with their friends, right? But right. I always found just an anecdotal evidence, but I always found that I just being right more than often. And like, uh, did you disconnect? Oh, no, you still back. You back? You good? I'm here. I'm back. Yeah, we good. Uh, yeah. Okay. No, I felt like I ended up being correct more than often, but like, it wasn't necessarily because I felt like I was correct more than often because I was just phrasing my arguments in a better way than other people were. Right? Like, and I didn't right. really necessarily have, like, because he's that guy. Like, I would have, like, well, you know, he hasn't done it the last 17 times. Why would he do it now? Right? Like, make a compelling point. And I just found that I was winning these debates and then proving out to be true. Matter of fact, there's two moments that, like, really gave me confidence in this. And okay. one of the guys just joined. I'm not going to put him out there, but he just joined. We got into the biggest argument. No, you uh, can put him out there. You can put him out there. That's what... That's what, this, that's what this podcast is about. It's unfiltered. It's raw, baby. Matter of fact, matter of fact he changed his name now. His name used to be Jared. He's actually changed his name now. But okay. we got into a knockdown, like, yelling, screaming argument about whether or not Jimmer Fredette was going to be a successful NBA player. And it was Should've like, I, was had, was like I was like, this guy's not even going to play 50 games in the NBA, much less. I was like, I don't care if they picked them 10th. Like, it's just not. Like, they're wrong. They were wrong. 
And so uh, it was that one. And then the year that it was Andrew Luck and RG3 coming out, I just randomly had seen Russell Wilson like seven times in NC State. And then that, that whole year that he had played in Wisconsin. And I was telling anybody who would listen, like, this guy, he's just short. But he's the best quarterback in this class. He should be the he should be the number one overall pick. He's gonna go in the third round, and I was just I was slamming on the table. And it was after that I realized like, yo, if I'm gonna make these crazy claims, I need to be writing them down somewhere so I can be like, yo, here's my receipts. Check me out. And right. so uh, like I called Rochelle Riley, who was a mentor of mine from like way back in high school. She actually interviewed me about <laughs> what it would be like to have the first black president randomly enough so we kept in contact after that i called her i told her i wanted to work in sports she ended up getting me an interview for she ended up basically getting me an internship at the radio station 97 won the ticket and from that point then it was like you know this is the bridge i got across this ain't no there is no other door to open like there is i had no other option so i had to get i basically had to make that internship flip into a job and i did so you start at 97 won the ticket. What was that? You're there. What's that experience like the first time you're in, you know, I guess it's not the newsroom. Is it? I don't even know the, the proper terminology for it. But like you're Call the, the first time you you said what? Like the bullpen area. Where yeah, like the bullpen area. What's the, what's the first time like you're so now, you, you know, you have these opinions. And I'm sure like as you're, you know, they're coordinating, you know, what they're going to talk about for the programming. You have opinions. How do you, when you step into that, you know, that bullpen for the first time, are you confident in your opinions as you were with your friends? Or you're like trying to feel it out? What, what was that? What was that like? And how did you kind of, you know, uh, build towards feeling like, no, I know what I'm talking about. And I'm about to, I'm about to, you know, jump off the porch. Say, like, in that's, this room. One of the, that's one probably one of the biggest misconceptions that I find when I talk to people about this business, like at the stage that I'm at now, like mm-hmm. nobody gives a damn what I think. Like they're not paid. Like, I, like, the show is not getting paid off of what my opinion of what of LeBron James or Matthew Stafford is. My job at this point is to make other people's opinions sound better, right? Like or to look right. better, however it was. And so that was one of the things that I walked in there day one. They told me they're like, "Yo, I'm sure you have opinions on all of these things. We don't really care because what happens <laughs> is." Well, because what happens is you get guys that walk in there and they want to walk in there and be the, the, the midday drive time radio host. And it's like, bro, no one is here for you. Like, they're here for the guy that's getting paid all this money to do this. To like, do this so, job. Exactly. So that was the first thing I kind of learned was to pick my spots and to learn where, you know, where to say this and where to say that. And then also kind of balancing that in the way of, being a black man working with majority white people being like, no, 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 your opinion isn't wrong. This factually, this is incorrect, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. and some, some matters of, cause I was there at the radio station being like Trayvon Martin and stuff like that. So like that Ferguson, that kind of cycle of American history. So it was a lot of like that clashing, but that's really after I got hired when I was interning, I kept my head down and I just like, Bro, because the thing, what like, I'm, I got to, I have too much, not to be like, I got so much at stake or there's so much mm-hmm. at risk or anything like that. But like, my thing is, 
It's like, all my friends are successful. <laughs> like, my dad is successful. Like, I have no excuse. <laughs> like, I have no excuse whatsoever. So when I'm sitting there in this internship, I'm like, I've got to, I have to, I have to get this job. So right. I'm like connecting with all the hosts. I'm using all the networking skills. Like I joined a fraternity in college. Uh, shout out to Alpha Phi Alpha. And like, that was one of the things that helped me. Like, honestly, people will laugh, but the, being able to talk to grown men who you don't necessarily have that much in common with, but you need to get something out of them. Like, yeah. like that was something that benefited me as I was coming through. Because I know I needed a job. And I knew that it wasn't up to really any of them to singularly give me a job. But I would need all of them collectively to be like, oh, yeah, we should definitely hire that guy. So, so like, I guess to say that, and one of the things, this is like one of the things that Greg Harden told me. It's on my mind now because I read your crushes beforehand talking about success. And Greg Harden, he's, he's a part of the athletic director office at Michigan. He's actually mm-hmm. helped counsel like a lot of really great Michigan athletes like Desmond Howard, Tom Brady, um, during their times when they were at the university. And he, uh, luckily, I had a connection with him, and he was telling me, he's like, get feedback from the people who are evaluating you. And so okay. I was in my boss's office, and my like the host who I was working for, I was talking to them like weekly, like, yo, what can I do to get better? And so one of the things that they said was I didn't have any radio experience, which was flat out true. I had just as much radio experience walking in there that had race car driving experience. So, <laughs> but that's one. Of, that's something that a lot of people take for granted. I think um, when trying to go into a field is, is you know getting you know honest feedback and trying to actually hone in on your craft. To your point um, about you know the internship, people come in wanting to put their own spin on something that's like yo, that's not. That's not why you're here, my man. Like, learn something. Learn something first before you offer up what you think. Not only that, like, I mean, because I feel like people miss when they're walking into the job on the first day. If everybody else here, it's not their first day. They've all been here for weeks and months and sometimes years. And there's a way of doing things that's already established. Like, find your way to fit into the way that things are already being done, and then try to implement your own innovation or say like, man, why are we doing things this way? Well, we can just like, maybe you have a different way of looking at things, but like more than likely they're hiring you to complete the vision that they've already decided is the vision that they want. Right. So you're, you're in a bullpen at 97, one ticket. What comes next? Do you, I know you, you know, you ended up in LA. How did that come about? Did you get a full-time position when you, you know, after graduation what what's the hell no i didn't have a full-time position i didn't have a full-time position so what's the value so what's the next value that comes up no i bet people listening would be surprised no i didn't have a full-time position until i moved to california wow this was my first full-time job out of college it was california i was hustling all types of part-time stuff because Radio station paying like the gap, man. It's like, you know, it's like I was working part-time, dog. Like it's one of those labor of love type industries. Um <laughs> as people on a, a quick aside, people are like your house quarantine life. I'm like quarantine life is just like winter in Detroit. I didn't have no money and it was too cold to go anywhere anyway. <laughs> I'm chilling. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> At least this time I can afford to pay the rent. <laughs> but um no, so I was working part-time at the radio station and uh, 
just trying to get my feet wet and figure out where I was going to fit in. Because while I knew I had all these opinions at the time, I had just came off an internship where my whole job was to make these people sound better. Right. So then mm -hmm. I realized like maybe six months after I started working there, I'm like, man, you know, I know disrespect to any of those guys because they're all my guys. But I was like, really what it was, John, was I saw that some of the people who had these on-air positions just weren't putting in no work. And it's like, right. man, I know if nothing else, I may go out there and mess it all up. But I'm, I'm going to try hard. You know, <laughs> like that's got to count for something. So, uh, so me and I remember, when you first, I remember when you first, I remember when you first got out there. Like, I remember when you first touched down in L.A. Oh, I mean, I'm talking about, I'm talking about when I was in Detroit. Because okay. that was what gave me the confidence. I saw the people who were on there on the radio four hours a day, five hours a day. And I'm like, I could go to toe-to-toe -to, -toe to these. I could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with these guys. I could do this. So mm -hmm. then we, me and, my, me and a buddy of mine went into, like, the backup studios at work and just started pretending like we were on the radio. Because we, our thought was, you know, at times that we get on before o'clock in the morning anyway, ain't nobody going to call. So we might as well just go act like we're on the radio. And then they kind of right. noticed that, and they started giving us some more reps, like actually on. And then, uh, you know, from there on, it's really, again, dog, my story is the power of networking, man. Like, from then on, I went to uh, I went to Comerica Park randomly. The reason I went to Comerica Park was because Prince Fielder was back in Detroit for the first time, and I hadn't been to a baseball game all season. And I asked my boss if I could get a credential to go. And he was just like, sure, luckily. I'm in there. I bump into Rob Parker, who walks up to me and says, what are you doing here? Where do you work? Not like, what are you doing here? Like, you don't belong here. Like, what are you doing? That's here? how it happens. Yes. You, yes. That's, you know, that is how uh, it where are you going? Yeah. I've never seen you before. Who are you? Blah, blah, blah. Here's my number. Give me a call. And then after like, you know, probably a year and a, like a year and a half of us going back and forth and just literally developing a relationship with no promise of anything in like, the big, the, our big, our big deal was he asked me like, yo, anything I can do to help your career, let me know. And at the time I'm, I'm at the biggest radio station in Detroit. You can't really help me here. I don't have any TV experience. Can you help me there? He happened to be shooting pilots for stuff that he was trying to get picked up by networks like FS1 or, or MLB network. So he'd have me in his chair as an analyst. Right. Man. So like, but like he wasn't paying me because he wasn't getting paid. <laughs> but it was like that was our deal that was our trade-off and so as a result i'm getting free game from this dude who at the time there was no such thing as undisputed like skip bayless and Stephen right. a were still together like at the time like this dude was rubbing shoulders with some people who were getting paid millions of dollars to do this exact thing that i'm sitting here doing in a barbershop chair like mm -hmm. he like so you know and there were times that we got, we argue, whatever, but we have a genuine friendship. And that's the thing that I think people miss out. It's like, I developed genuine friendships with a lot of people in this business. So, like, friendships without any expectation in, in return. And, like, those have been the friendships that have paid off the more, most fruitful, honestly. So, because Rob was from here, introduced me to everybody. Rob introduced me to everybody out here that I had to interview with, or I didn't even really interview, that I had to, like, talk to. I had, like, a series of conversations, and I got offered the job. And Rob introduced like the, formality, the one formality of the interview. Exactly. The formality yeah. of it, but not the actual, like, yeah, bro, you got the job. Just make sure you show up so we can have a conversation real quick type deal. Exactly. Um, but like, I got introduced to all those people. I got walked into all those doors. Like, I didn't, 
I can't say there's anything that I did that was specifically great on a microphone or that I just, some great point that I made that got me there. So is there, so you're, you, you get to LA, you, you link with Rob, you go there, you link with Rob and uh, now you are at Fox Sports. How did you work your, did you, did you, you didn't come, I'm assuming you didn't come in as associate producer. How did you work your way up to that point with, on Undisputed? Because like, that is another, that's also another reason why I wanted to have you on, because that's one of my favorite shows. And I wanted to, you know. I appreciate it. Keep watching. We are on air. Trust me. Oh, no, I know. I DVR. I DVR. I DVR. I DVR every day. But yeah, I know. Yeah, you, I'm on, I'm on it. But how do you. What was your first role at Fox Sports? And then how did you, and if it wasn't at, uh, if it wasn't for Undisputed, how did you transition or move over to Undisputed? Because I know Rob Parker's on that show a lot. So this is, this is how it worked. Flat out. I'll never forget it. It was January before, like, uh, it was January before the 2016 final. Uh, Rob calls me, says, yo, pick me up from the airport. Uh, let's go to lunch, which was like uh, a bi-weekly deal, right? And at this point, mm-hmm. I'm like calling my dad, like, yo, can you send me $50 so I can go to lunch with Rob? Like, I don't have, like that's that's where I'm at in life. Right. So we go, and he tells me, he's like, listen, Skip Bayless is leaving ESPN. I'm going to FS1. I'm going to go I'm going to FS1, be on his show. Not only am I going to be on his show, I'm going to have, I'm going to start my own radio show on Fox Sports Radio after a couple months on FS1. And I want you to come with me because by this point in time, we had been working together for like the six, seven months doing all like doing those pilots and stuff. Like with like again with no expectation. And right. he's like, he's like, I want you to come with me. Um and and just basically that just laying it all out there. Like FS1 barely existed at the at that point in time. Like right, the only right. show on the network was Colin. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I that's how I found myself watching FS1 because I love Colin Coward. I think that like people would say what they want about him, but he he's honest from his from his vantage point, and he doesn't pull punches. And if you got a problem with him, you can pull up, and he's still gonna say the same. She's gonna say the same shit he said on air. So yeah, I can't I can't. But like, but Rob told me he was. I want you to come out there, and to after after this, I was gone. I knew I was gone because he said. I said, man, I would love to come out there and produce your shows. Cause at this point I've only thought about being a radio host. It's the only real contemplation I've ever thought about. I did radio in high school too. I grew up with a radio in my room instead of a TV. Like I had like this weird obsession with radio. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I just, I never really thought I said, I would love to come out and produce your show in the morning and try to find like a radio gig for night. And he told me, he's like, no, 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 no. He said, I want you to be on my show after that. Over with, over. With. I was following <laughs> that man. I was following that man to the edge of the earth. Because he was the only right. person that I ever talked to. He was the only person that was talking that stuff like that. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, he was the only person that was talking to me like that. He was the only person talking to me nice like that. So I was like, listen, I'm following you, bro. When I got the when I when I got the offer, I went to my old job and I told him, like, hey, you know, they uh they offered me this, like, you know, whatever. And they, you know, to their credit, they they didn't waste my time. They were just like, yo, you know, peace out, you know, Thank good you. luck. Yeah. You know, and and no really hard feelings neither. Like I don't have any hard feelings, but it was just like, uh, it was just obvious. It was just easy the decision to make after that. So you're there, and you now. So now we can say that, from my perspective, and from, you know, 
as a black man in that space, I mean, you you've seen you've seen you've seen firsthand Rob Parker struggle. You know the struggle or, or the hard work and effort it takes to um, ascend in that space. Um, I guess how so in, in some regards you're successful in that you I am now move, I'm one step closer to my dream in terms of or, or was that even even a, a dream was this even part of like a, a big dream that you had I know when we started you said you didn't really have a, a direction that you wanted to go in was this part of a dream or has it become like okay your dream is now how big can I take this once what I got you, to the radio station once I got to the radio station and I started doing shows on air and I started getting these like I started getting compliments that are honestly this is going to sound like I'm being self-serving, but some of them were making me uncomfortable because I didn't feel like I was working very hard. And I was, mm-hmm. people were telling me like, yo, that was a really great show. That was a really great show. Like, you really did well there. I was like, I like the way you did this. And we'll po- and go back and point to specific things that I was doing. And these are guys who are getting paid and, 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 and are, you know, locally famous for doing this. Some of them nationally famous for doing this. Right. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, yo, I, I, Enough people are telling me I'm good at this. I'm, I'm good at this, right? And so then it got right. to be like, okay, how far can I take this? Where can I go with this? Then it's like, where can I where can I lean into? Like, how can I take this? Like, I, I kind of felt like, like, like you know, when a, like they go find a 16-year-old kid in Venezuela who can throw 98 miles an hour, but he's not, <laughs> like, he doesn't, he doesn't even know which way to run after, after he hits the baseball, right? Right. Because he's, he's never played before. So I'm like, what are the rules of this? Like, I had to learn how to, I had to learn the rules of baseball. Right. <laughs> like, like that. So like, then form opinions. But it really came from that. And then it came from the developing the confidence over and over and over again. And then going against these guys and talking to these guys now, because after a while, like, yeah, nobody cares what my opinion is when I'm an uh, intern. But like uh, uh, our webmaster just joined the chat a while ago. Me and him will go back and forth, and then all of a sudden, you see one, two of the hosts will pop their head up, and they're like, "Y'all sound crazy." And now all of a sudden, we're in a full fledged debate, and it's time to say. And then you would see some of those debates walk right into the radio room, and then they'd be over broadcast of millions of people. So it's like, wait a minute, I really could do this. Like they're really right. doing what we. Like I just did this two minutes ago, you know. <laughs> so mm-hmm. then it became a reality, and then it just was like, all right, how can I get better? What can I do to work? How can I figure this out? You know? So how did you be, so the role that you have now, is that where you came in at Fox Sports or, nah, and what is I've that? Like, what, three times. You said what? I've been bumped three times since I got there. Oh, that hasn't even, that's like what, three years? You've been there what, three years, four years? One of them, three part of it was, I played my cards right, honestly. That's, that's what you're supposed to do. That's, that's, you got, you can only play the hand you dealt, right? Yeah, I, play, I played my cards right because it was the World Cup. It was the Men's World Cup, not the Women's World Cup. But they had taken a lot of people from our staff at the time. Okay. And so, like, you know, if I, I would say it's approximately 12 people on a daily basis that make Undisputed go, like anything mm-hmm. from 10 to 12 off the top of my head, they had taken like three people from our staff and a lot of the extra work had fallen on me. So I waited like two weeks. The World Cup is forever, right? So I waited like two weeks and I went in and I said, yo, like the quality of our show hasn't dropped one bit, but, you know, a lot of people not here. Like I'm doing a lot more work now. Like I feel like I kind of deserve a promotion. And so then after that, they gave me one. Like after that, they agreed with me. We negotiated a bump. And then I got promoted again. 
And then a couple other people from our show left to go start other shows on the network. So then I kind of like assumed more responsibility. And then after I got the more responsibility, because the biggest thing, again, the biggest thing is they want to make sure if, as long as the product is good, because that's what we're all here for. Like, like right. we have to, we need to put out a good product. So as long as if you're juggling a bunch of different things and the product doesn't change, that's something that you can go and be like, Hey guys, like, Remember how last week we were doing this and we had this streamlined system and now this week we're doing it and it's completely foobar, but nothing else has changed. Like everything else is good. <laughs> like mm-hmm. all like the show, no one watching at home has any idea what's going on. Like, remember all of that? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now you're, you've also done blogging. Was that part of how has that informed some of the work that you've done? Um, on air and then behind the scenes in terms of like making sure, you know, the production is right. Well, I'd say in terms of the blogging and stuff like that. And not the, not the blogging, not, I meant to say the podcasting, excuse me, the podcasting, like your, whether it's your black uh, friends or, uh, your other, or your other podcast, my bad. That, that was, I misspoke. No, no, all good. All good. So like, yeah. So basically I've been doing some form of podcasting since I started at the radio station um, <clears throat> since I started at the radio station, I realized that I was never going to get any good at doing it. Like, like I said, I had to work at it. Right. So I was never going to get any mm-hmm. good at doing this if I was only doing it once a month for two hours at a time. Right. I'm going to have to be putting in some reps. Um, so that's where the podcast idea was born. And then it was also the idea of like, I can go on whenever I want to go on. And I have a captive audience, even yeah. how big or small it is. Right. So, so that um, I'd say in terms of my production, like a lot of times, I find a lot of times I have opinions that I just disagree with some of the people that I've been working with, and oftentimes, Mm -hmm. like an episode of my podcast, like you won't see it, but there will be the someone else who in my mind who I'm talking to, right? (laughs) I've heard them talk about how they feel about this certain situation for the last four and a half hours, and now I'm finally getting my chance to respond. Um, yeah, and then also in terms, I'd say, if anything, it's worked in the reverse way. Like I learned how to edit, I learned how to edit audio at work. I learned how to edit video at work. So like now, any video, like I now can do those things as side hustles. Or like now, that's what I one of the things I've been doing in the quarantine. I got a second screen, and I've just been editing video, just trying to get nice. Okay, so what's the most? So what's the most challenging thing about? you know, helping undis- or bringing Undisputed together. What's the most challenging thing? Take us, take us kind of, take us through an episode, if you, if you are the production of an episode um, and how that comes together and your role in it um, and, you know, that whole deal. So I don't think that, I, I think that is, in, I don't think that is incredibly difficult, first of all. Like, so mm-hmm. like to say like the hardest thing, like I don't think it's very hard in general, right? Like, it's not okay. very, it's, it's a lot of common sense, a lot of like, you know, it's a lot of following directions and common sense. And if you do that, then we can get it all figured out. Um, and, but like, it's also, I'd say the, I think the thing that people have the most trouble with is we are always on deadline. Like from the mm. minute, because we're, first of all, John, our show goes to air at 6.30 in the morning, yep. right? 6.30 in the morning, Pacific time. So before Corona made the world stop spinning, we're sitting around a conference table at 4 a.m. And like, nobody yep. gives a shit about your problems at four o'clock in the morning. 
right? Like nobody, nobody cares about them at two o'clock in the afternoon, but nobody really cares at four o'clock in the morning, right? So as part of it is getting up and knowing that like, no matter how you're walking into work that day, you're going to air at 6.30. So no matter what you do between now and 6.30, there's a show coming. Um, and now it's not much different. Um, my alarm goes off at 4.50 and if I, there's no snooze. There's no, I get up, I put two feet on the ground and go get to my computer and log in and, and produce a show remotely because by 5.30, I got to give a status update to somebody above me on the food chain to let them know where I'm at and all, <laughs> to let them know where I'm at in my process, to let them know if they need to help me. That, like she said, no snooze for the news. That's the truth. That's, <laughs> the truth. That's Holly. That's Holly, the That's most the amazing publicist in the world. She's next week. She's literally the next person after me. And she's one of the most amazing people that I know. Um, so how do you, how are you, you, you've kind of arrived at not a comfortable place, but you, you're in a place where you can kind of take some, you know, some breath, right? And kind of. Nah, I, I'll put it like this. I'll say, I'll say it for you. I used to have a job. Now I have a career. Okay. So how do you define success in your career? How are you defining success in your career, in life? And, you know, overall, what is, where do you want it? Do you have an idea of where you want to end up? Um, do you want to go in front of the camera? Do you want to become an executive producer in the space? What is, what is, so what? I think, I think, I think that's two separate questions. Or should, I have two separate answers for that because my goal is, I, my goal is to be on air, right? And okay. so my goal is to be on air either as a host or opinionist or in, perfect, in a perfect situation, a hybrid of the both. Um, and with a hybrid of some reporting, right? So that's the, that's the final goal. Um, I would say success to me, and I got this from a YouTube video. So the, I, I believe the earth is round and all that other stuff, but I did get this from a YouTube video. Uh, it said, progress is a successive realization of a worthy goal, right? So mm-hmm. like, and I know that's like a lot of weird words in a row, but like, if you, no. so like the, the idea behind it is, you set a worthy goal, and as long as you are building towards that goal, then you are you are by definition successful. Successful. Right. So, like, if you want to be the biggest radio host on the world in the world, if you're starting a podcast, you're doing it religiously, and you're grinding it out, and you're getting better, and you're doing the things you need to improve, you should look at yourself as a success. You shouldn't tie your success level to things like finance or like exposure or you know you like you should don't 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 think that you won't don't have those things as goals right mm-hmm. but tie your success to the work that you're doing as opposed to the results that you're receiving right because it's like mm-hmm. like like people like and the, the biggest one that i can think about the top of my head is weight like i had i've i've been at my biggest i was 285 pounds i'm probably like 200 now right but like that at 285, like you got to get up and run the same way you got to get up and run at 250, right? But yeah. like, do you do you clown the two the person who's 280 when they drop to 260 because they're not 250? Like, no, like they're they're worthering their success or furthering okay. their success. Someone wants to know what the board says. It says you are overthinking it. So that's what I thought. If that's you what spent I thought. too much time reading it. You probably all right. I think I. Uh... I think uh, I guess we can kind of we can kind of open it up to Q and A. I think I've, if there's anything you want to talk about, I'm happy to. 
I think, um, you know, we're at about 40 minutes. I try to keep these between 45 and an hour. I think we got one question in here that says, um, what are some of the essential keys in building and managing relationships? So I'll let you. Uh, I'd say uh, one of my biggest keys in building, and I say the biggest one for me is connecting with somebody when you don't need anything from them. Like, Correct. and like, and that does, and like part of the way, the best way to do that is to form genuine relationships. Like when I was at the ticket, there were some people who I'm still friends with to this day who I call up and talk and be on the phone with for an hour and, you know, hour and whatever. There's some people who were just friendly with, there's some people who just showed up to work and I was the intern. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, I didn't try to convince those people who were not interested in necessarily like knowing me outside of what's happening here. I didn't try to convince them. I just tried to convince the people who already were messing with me. They should mess with me tougher. Right. So right. Um, that, and then just like being considerate, like one of the things that I've noticed, and it's like to talk about Rob, Rob's a guy who's been on national TV, like reached the highest of the highs. And he's had some low points in his career too. But like from where I've seen him, from where he was when I met him to where he is now, he says hello to everybody that he sees. Like that's just, that's just who he is because he doesn't feel like he's too big for that. Like, and I've come into some people who do think they're too big for that. And what I've come to find out is those people, their relationships are all about like transactions. And when you have a real friend relationship or real, like when they, when they, when they have something happen in their family, like you've called them, not because you work with them, but you call them because it's like, damn, I got to call my boy. That hurt them. Like that is when that relationships last. And those are the relationships that have come back now on the back end, as I'm like getting into my reporting career, like well, people who I'm leaning on, who I can just call mm-hmm. up and be like, yo, what's the story with this situation? And I don't have to necessarily grease ball them all up to be like, hey, how are you? What, what's up? What's going on? Because right. it's already understood that I, I have a care about you outside of the information that I'm trying to get out. From. Correct. Okay. I think, I mean, I don't know if anybody has any other questions for um martin so we only got 18 people we have 18 people in here and i'm i'm thankful very grateful this is my first yeah, go around so say, I'm, it's all about friends like successes successes uh you know progression to the idea oh you gotta build it's only 18 it's people. All building. you got 18 um, people guess, let's see what are they? is there someone i guess is there anything that uh i guess what's your biggest inspiration in your career um, what are your have have this have your sources of inspiration changed at all in your career from when you start to now? Uh, yeah, for sure. Because like I say, when my source of motivation is always, it's just incredibly fun. <laughs> you know, it's like mm-hmm. like I don't want to go get a real job. You know, like what <laughs> <like, laughs> if I gotta go to like I don't want to go do a real job, like. I heard somebody say it on the radio today. Like, my hands are soft. Like, I've never, I, I, I don't have to work hard. <laughs> you know, like, okay. I don't. So that's one thing. Um, and then the other, damn, I lost, I lost my train of thought of your question. Uh, being silly. Oh, is inspiration, inspiration. Uh, oh, inspiration. yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, always the inspiration was, and whatever you, whatever you believe in, whether it's God or just the universe or like, I just feel like you should do things that you're good at, right? Like, that's like, if you are 6'6", six, six, and you can dunk, 
and I mean, you're, and you're jumping 40 feet out the gym and you can do this. You should be playing a sport. Like you should do what your body was made to do. And like, I'm not the most religious, but like, I feel like I just see it. And I, I feel like people have been gravitating me for my sports opinions before anybody ever gave me a dollar for it. So right. it felt like that was it. But like, yeah, of course, like when I left Detroit, my part of my motivation was just like, yo, they didn't go in, they didn't give me the shot that I felt that I deserved there. So it's like my motivation is I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get all them fired. I, I told that to a bunch of people, but it's like now, <laughs> you know, it's like, but it's not like I'm getting fired. It's just on the level of like, man, where did this guy come from? He's like, he came from here. I was like, wow, I can't believe I let him out the door, you know. But like, but now it's like now it's more so personally motivated and just like I have set goals and I'm trying to get to them, and like I've already sacrificed a lot in my life and just like in little things like. That trip overseas that happened to be in during week 10, you know, when all the everybody was going to Columbia, you know, it's, you know, the you know, Eastern Conference Finals. It's like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Just and in general, like, I think people don't understand that in media, like, not to make it seem like it's some crazy great sacrifice, but like, most of the time we're up at odd hours. Like, yeah, most people who work in these businesses are not working nine to five jobs unless they're part of the sales staff or like, web support team or something like that. But if you are like an on-air talent or you're a producer or you're a cameraman or you're on the assignment desk, like I put it to you like this, bro. Every time you turn on your TV, every time you turn on your radio, something comes out of it, right? If it doesn't, you change the channel and something comes out of that channel. There's people that are making that happen every single day, right now, mid coronavirus, on Christmas day, on 4th of July, on Thanksgiving. But I didn't have thing, I didn't have Thanksgiving off till I moved to California. Thanksgiving was a work day. The Lions play on Thanksgiving. That's a work day. Yeah, it's a work day. Yeah, there's no the LA team's not playing on uh on, on Thanksgiving. We got we got another question. Hold on. Uh is say something nice with Martin Weiss coming back. It is. It is. I would say the issue that I'm having right now is A, I'm having a lot of trouble getting up the motivation to talk about stuff because it feels like all the stuff that I normally am very passionate about, I do not believe is going to happen this year. Like, I don't think there's going to be a football season because you like, I just don't see a feasible reality in which it occurs right here, right now. And I know that that's doom and gloom and maybe it's a part of me like preparing myself to like, cause like the person who asked that question was my roommate. He knows for the last for 17 weeks, or 21 weeks during the football season, I'm unavailable on Sundays. I don't do anything. And that really starts on Saturday. And one of the things that, so somebody called me out, Holly called me out. I don't have any issues talking right now. The biggest thing is say something nice. I was by myself. So I've been trying to find a way to interview people, to do actually do something like this because I do have a lot of interest. No, I'm not even playing. Because I have a lot of tons of interesting folks who work in the news, who do who work at places like CNN, who now, not to say that they matter less, but they matter incredibly more in times like this, right? So I right. was thinking, I'm rebranding it that way. And to the point of excuses, where is that? I, I just bought a mixer yesterday. I just got my mixer yesterday in the mail. I ordered it. I ordered this goddamn mixer on March 28th and it got here April 26th. So that was another thing. Because yeah. it's really hard to mix up two audio streams at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um. I want to touch on Undisputed again real quick. So what is that? 
you all the you're, you're responsible for like all the graphics, all that stuff, right? That I, that we see, all that all that stuff, right? So one of the best things about Undisputed is if, skip, if you skip, come, <laughs> skip. Uh, recent it's, it's funny. Recently, we were uh, like looking to, to add a new player, a new, a new person to the staff uh, from a different on show. Air, so people were on asking, air staff. No, no, no. Like the uh, behind the scenes staff, and okay. people were asking me. The different people who were like kind of were in consideration were asking me what it was like. And the thing about Undisputed is, which I which I have come to find out is not the norm in other TV jobs. Is you come and work on Undisputed from day one, and you prove that you can do the day one stuff. They will put you on day two stuff. Like you will come and learn how to run a TV show in this on this network. So at any point in time, I have been responsible. Like when I first got there. I was responsible for the graphics, which means the, the graphics on the lower thirds, which the words at the bottom yeah. of the screen, coming up with all this stuff, full screen. Um, I was responsible for that. Sometimes I was responsible for editing and cutting highlight tapes to make Skipper Shannon's point look better. Um, mm-hmm. And when I got there, I found, I fe- again, I felt like I was much better at doing the tape stuff than I was at doing the graphic stuff. Right. So I leaned into... Uh, yeah, Holly, but no one knows where Chiron is unless you actually work there. <laughs> like, unless you work <laughs> in the business. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I leaned into the tape stuff, and now my primary goal or my primary job is to manage the four, uh, th- uh, two or three people who are cutting tape on a regular basis. I cut tape myself. And when I say cut tape, I mean, like, are cutting the highlights plays that you see like when Jenny starts to talk, he's like, "Well, it's time to talk yeah, about Dak Prescott." Yeah, right. You see Dak Prescott throwing the pass. I'm the guy that like the, I either picked the pass or signed off on that pass, like signed off on that play being in that tape. So if you have any issues with that, feel free to address it. It'll yeah, I up. do. I actually do. I have I have I have questions actually because I watch your show all the time. But I, I'm assuming it's because Fox doesn't. Ha- aside from like local affiliates, Fox doesn't have any major like NBA deals, right? They don't have they don't have the so are you guys only allowed to show certain clips? No. So we're so we have footage restrictions. Every show does. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. That's Every yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We have footage restrictions. So like that that's another big part of my job is to make sure that we're not in violation of any of these restrictions. Right. So how does that work? Uh different leagues. What is it like when like, you say restrictions? Does it mean like you can only show the first five minutes, the highlights from the first five minutes of the game, or you can only show one no, that'll be like for stuff like pay-per-views it'll be like that but for regular like like let's say lebron plays on espn like for the first i don't know things like the first three days or so we can run like three minutes total of that game for a day right or three minutes mm-hmm. total of nba footage a day so if we want to run that game and then we want to talk about like uh Kawhi also played that day and they played you know two separate teams I have to make sure that that tape amount doesn't necessarily add up to more than three minutes for that day. Or And then we have a daily allotment, and then a weekly allotment, and then we get in trouble if we go over. But okay. we, also, we, we also, it's kind of a sweet science because you pay for it too, right? So mm-hmm. you want to get what you pay for, but yeah. you get in trouble if you go over. But that's why, like, ESPN – has a special con- uh, has a different level of contract with the NFL. That's why they can have shows like NFL Live, where they show literally twenty minutes of game footage, and they're breaking it down and manipulating it and all of that type of stuff. Because they, mm-hmm. you know, there's a different relationship with the rights footage, or or better yet, the jump is a better example. 
Yeah, the jump is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can go, yeah, they show flashbacks, all that stuff, yeah. Well, they have dedicated... um, Go ahead. Well, they have a dedicated NBA contract. They they carry the NBA. They're one of the the flagship uh, uh, channels uh, for the NBA. So I was like, of course, it's in the NBA's best interest for the jump to exist. You know? Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time, bro. Um, Is there anything you want to leave folks with at all? Uh, I just say, um, you know, if you want to follow me, I'm at Martin Weiss pretty much on all platforms. Um, I will be releasing some episodes of my podcast soon. I actually probably put this up on the feed if you can send me the audio afterwards. Um, yeah, I will. And I will be interviewing some people soon because at this point, I'm just going to try to get my interview skills up. Um, but yeah, my biggest thing is just like, I've seen a lot of people like starting to lose and I hate to be this guy, right? Like, but I've seen a lot of people on social media trying to be slick. Like, just because you're posting your, your boy who's six feet away in your Instagram story, we hear the 10 people behind you, bro. Stay your ass at home so we can have a football season. If I, th- I don't think people realize, like, I understand. I understand. Listen, John, football makes this country go around. I, like, it's, it's sick, but it's true. Think about all the different things that have happened because of football. Kind of like so many different, like, you know what I'm saying? We only got four minutes. I'm not trying to go in too deep into it. But, like, I feel like if you tell Americans that if we do not stay inside and stop the spread of this virus, we are not going to have a football season. That will sink into at least, at least enough of a significant amount of the population where some of these people who are up at the Capitol will sit their ass at home. I hope so. I truly hope so. But I, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. I think if, if they knew that football was off the table, that it could be it's in jeopardy, they would they would sit the fuck down. So I'm football. telling y'all, football is in jeopardy. <laughs> well, I appreciate you, bro. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, as soon as I get this, the audio, I will get it over to you. Um, yeah, thanks again, man. All right, man, no doubt. Appreciate you. Peace.